Hi, I'm Ron Coleman, a partner in the Dillon Law Group, social media legend and free speech enthusiast. When I started the Coleman Nation podcast in the spring of 2021, its focus was on free expression and censorship on the internet. But as important as that subject is to me, which is very important, I felt hemmed in in the podcast. I wanted to spend more time talking to the interesting people I've met in my legal and free speech work without feeling a need to have them all make the same point. So I culminated the first series of the podcast and have started the second series. I hope you'll enjoy these conversations as much as I have recording them. Hey, culminators. Welcome back again. Uh, I am very happy once again to be joining you here from a chilly Newark, New Jersey, as November descends upon us. Speaking of New Jersey, today's guest is Josh Akins, one of my early Twitter friends. And we've been watching each other out of the corner of our eyes for many years before either one of us became as phenomenally prominent, well-known as we are today. And I finally said, you know, Josh, you're doing all kinds of things and you're running for offices and you're running for re-elections and you're doing all this New Jersey grassroots political stuff, which if you're in New Jersey, as we are, could be mighty depressing. So I want to see what it is that keeps Josh Akins keeping on the keeping on and spend a couple minutes talking with him in our culminating process. Josh, welcome. How you doing? Uh, I am happy to be here. It's an honor to finally be on the show. I've watched a couple episodes of yours, especially with a, a mutual friend of ours, Haley Kennington. So a, oh, a nice little shout out to her. Person. Oh, she just the she just the best. She she is she is one of my actual original followers, and uh, it was um, it was you know when you get a following from someone who has such a big you know a big group of people that are behind her. It was an honor to, to have her, and uh, she's just one of the nicest, most genuine people I've ever yes. met on social media. She really is, and she also has all these, this really wide range of skills yep. that almost, are almost entirely self-taught. One of the things her and I talk about all the time, like I, she'll, she'll send me articles before they're published, and I'm like, I don't understand. How are you not, like on every single platform possible you know you're 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 working she works tremendously hard to 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 do what she does and um when i read this stuff i'm like you're putting out content that's better than than stuff i read in the, in the post or the you know any other new york times anything else out there and she just you know she thinks i'm kind of just being nice but i'm, I'm being very serious like i read her content all the time she's a tremendous person although i'll tell you something her insta her instagram sucks she, she, I, I, she just puts up too many pictures of her kids. They're, go, they're, they're, they're beautiful. They're beautiful, yeah. but not, not, not everyone could, could, uh, could rush both Twitter or as now X, uh, the artist formerly known as Twitter and Instagram, <laughs> quite like you do at the same time. Oh, I don't know. My, my Instagram. The only thing sadder than my Instagram is my YouTube. I can't <laughs> even get ten thousand subscribers on YouTube, but th that's listen. You know, smallest, smallest violin in the world. I know. So Josh, <laughs> we have to find ways of of, of circumlocuting around what we're, we're, problems of power. Uh, what is it that? So you so you so you have been involved as as a as a New Jersey 
politico kind of guy without really being a a sleazeball, which is why you're not in the assembly now. Um, is, is, did you have, like have a tradition of political involvement that you picked up from your parents or something? What county did you did you grow up in? I grew up in Sussex County, so the north, you know, the the very top of the state, uh, the actual North Jersey, the only North Jersey as I as I see it. Not Bergen. No, no, not at all. Um, actually, I grew up in a household where my parents never voted. They weren't uh, registered voters at all. We never talked politics. Uh, it just wasn't something that was. They spoke weren't about. even registered voters. No, believe it or not, I registered my mom for the first time to vote in 2016. And I um, convinced her, well, not convinced her. She just kind of saw the stuff happening and she actually voted for uh, Trump for the first time. That was her first vote at the age of, I don't want to, at the age of 25, I should say. <laughs> right. So wait, so Sussex, not a farm, was it? And uh, No, we had quite a bit of land, but it was in the woods. You know, we didn't have cable television until I was like a senior in high school. Good for you. That's yeah. why you're, that's why you're so intellectual. And thoughtful because your mind was not ruined by by television <laughs> do your kids watch tv josh um they do i have uh two very dynamic children as you I, I, as dynamic you know. children that's an interesting yeah, I, well, talk about euphemisms of, <laughs> i have i have one of them that's an absolute brain like the kid i, I think he's a human computer and then I have another kid who is a wise ass. So, but they both excel in both their wise, area. but in different ways. Yes, huh? yes absolutely. So, um, and it, they are the, my pride and joy. They're the greatest thing I've ever accomplished in my life. I will never accomplish it even greater, regardless of well, what I do. That is true for me as well, except not your kids, uh, who I'm sure have been influenced tremendously we, by me, but certainly my kid even more so. You know what's weird is when, how old are your kids? They're still, they're still kids. Uh, five and seven. Even at five, actually, it's really cute at five and seven when you hear yourself in the voice of their little selves. Occasionally, yeah. But my kids are all adults now, some of them bigger than I am. And to see, you know, not one of them is like a carbon, not like not really a chip off the old block kind of thing. But when you all of a sudden you see, you, actually, it's more common when I hear myself say something and I say, oh, that's something Usher would say. <laughs> why do you suppose Usher would say that? <laughs> you know? So you grew up in this all business kind of environment, you know, deep in the woods. Yep. Um, and was it high school? Was it college when, when you got bitten by the bug? Because that's what happens to us political people. So, I mean, I voted in high school. Uh, I voted in college. And actually, this was one of the major talking points for the primary I just lost, that I actually voted for Obama when I was 24 years old. So a long time ago in 2008, um, I did vote for him. I, I, if if I could take myself now, move myself back, I wouldn't have voted for him. But it's not like McCain was McCain was a, was a better choice at the time. Um, well, but we didn't know just how bad a guy. We didn't know how bad McCain... it was going to get. No, but we didn't know how bad Obama would get, but we we didn't know how evil McCain was either. Yeah, that's true too. Um, you know, I voted so, for Clinton. Just, just you know, just put that in your pipe and smoke it. Okay, the first time. I I won't hold that against you, like my <laughs> to, to me. Um, I'm talking about Bill. I know, I know. I, right. I I figured that's what you're talking about. No one voted for Hillary. No one. <laughs> no one. No uh, one listening to this. 
Okay, <laughs> that's so, for sure. So, all right, but the point is, you're you're, you're clued in, and you're like, into, and they teach, they taught you in school to do your civic duty, and that you got you registered and you voted, and then you won't believe what happened next. I I don't I honestly can't tell you if there was a um, a moment or anything else, but when I got more politically active was probably when I started living on my own and started seeing bills come in. I'm like, what the heck is going on here? I'm paying taxes for this, paying taxes for that. And, you know, as, as a lot of people say, like, you know, younger men are usually Democrats and liberal minded when they get older and they start having to pay for things they realize, and they become more conservative. And that's essentially what happened to me. The progression of my mind, the progression of how I saw things um, changed quite a bit. However, my core principles always remain the same. I've always been anti-war. It just now seems like the Republican Party has kind of caught up to me or the conservative side of the Republican Party has caught up to me and said, we don't need to be involved in all this stuff. Like, you know, the 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 Rand Pauls, the Ron Pauls of the world started having more of a voice and more support. And um, really, once that Tea Party movement in what was it, 2010 kind of took a, took hold of the country, that's where I kind of really felt at home with the Republican Party. So what were you, so after high school, you went to college, you went where? Um, I, I, I worked a lot, you know, I, I, I kind of just kind of bounced around a lot of different positions and then finally found my, uh, the job I've been working now for a good 12 years. And, um, wait, 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 wait. so you didn't go to college? I went to college. Yeah, I went to college. But, you know, my main focus in college was not politics. I'll tell you that right now. Um, it was sports and probably a lot of women. Um, you know, it's a lot of so the activity of, of women, a lot of chasing, chasing and yes. women, not a lot of women necessarily. No, no, no. Chasing, chasing women that took up a lot Lots of my time. Of chasing of women. Well, you know, people have foolish. Well, Listen, the way college is set up in our society, it is a it is a re retardation of maturation. Uh, it's an, ex you know, it's an extended adolescence, which I think we are now very clear doesn't do anyone any good. Uh, if it was if it wasn't clear before this month, last month, uh, it certainly is clear now. No, it's a it's a money making scheme, honestly. I mean, let, let's 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 be fair about it. I mean, if we were talking about really excelling in specific areas, which is what the university is supposed to be focusing on, um, then we wouldn't be doing you know, you wouldn't need 120 credits or however many credits you need these days. You'd be focused on 60 credits, but you'd be hammering those credits kind of like you do with law school. Right. When you're in law school, you're not taking all these other courses. You're focusing on law. And everything that has to do with law, you're not focusing all these other nuanced issues. Right. Although in the American system, you that's only after you get a bachelor's. So the idea Correct. is that the batch, you, you know, you, you use the bachelor's degree to get broad education and to be exposed to, you know, you know, the liberal arts, as, yes. as the case may be, whatever. Small L, small L. Small L, yes, absolutely. So what? Yeah. So so you, you what? What was your major? Um, I I ended up with a major in um, sociology of criminal justice. I I actually wanted to be uh, in the in the ATF, which is hard to believe now, seeing myself now, and and <laughs> it's it's laughable, honestly. It is very laughable. But but it is interesting though because you, you it did equip you with 
a lot of the, with the paradigms and the terminology that is mm. used in a lot of policymaking. Correct. And, um, and you it, can it, really see what BS it is. It, it, and honestly, I went through at the time though, when I went through uh, a lot of the profess professors, uh, were all ex police officers, all, you know, ex this or that. And they, I really liked hearing their stories. I liked hearing their firsthand um, encounters within the system and how cynical they became. And it was very eye-opening to me. Um, and I took away a lot of that information and realized that, you know, the justice system really is quite a pendulum of, you know, at one point it becomes, you know, punitive. On the other hand, it becomes um restorative and we seem to be on the restorative extreme right now in terms of our justice system and um i'll, I'll be interested to see what happens when we start to swing back because th these trends have happened I, i'm sure you know this more than anybody these trends have happened over time i mean if you just look at like the way facilities were even built um you could tell at what point society was in based upon how that facility was organized and structured you mean prison uh, facilities Yes, prison facilities. Yep. So it is it is very interesting. It was interesting to me. And um, as I got older, you know, I like observing the world around me quite a bit. And I, I'm like a sponge. I take everything in. Um, and that's why a lot of people will assume that I have this this hard facade of, you know, you have your views and you don't like other people's views. And realistically, I actually enjoy hearing views that are more counter to how I how I'm sitting right now, because either they will change my mind or they will create a situation where I need to defend my position, which hardens my beliefs already. Well, and and I don't think is, we have enough of that. That's right. And, and, and that that's how lawyer good lawyers become good lawyers is by being able to understand what, I mean, that's what, what the, the Socratic process was supposed to uh, teach people how to do. Apparently, it's fallen into disuse, and you can, I think, see exactly what the what the results of it are. But yes, you you sharpen your arguments by confronting yep. arguments that are contrary to yours, and you can't be prepared as a politician or as a lawyer. Um, you can't be prepared to really advocate for your own point of view if you don't at least understand what the contrary point of view is on the other hand when i think we're seeing it to a large extent in the last again in, in light of you know this explosion of violence and hatred you know that that followed the the october 7th massacre in israel that there's there are members of the world community and they they're everywhere who mm -hmm. are absolutely i don't know whether they're i'm sure there's a combination incapable and or unwilling to take a to use the tools of logic to follow you know to, to it's like it, i mean look talking about criminal justice someone's violent and a repeat offender so the problem is they're being processed by this really harsh justice system and it's make them making them more resentful and they feel that they don't have a stake 
in the greater society. So instead, so let's be more generous with bail. Let's get them back to the communities from which they get their support, whatever the rationale is for the low bail yeah. or the no bail policies. And then when we see that these, that what's actually happening is happening is what, and I was around in the eighties when, which was the most recent reaction to what had happened in the sixties and seventies, uh, where we saw that, no, what you're doing is you're taking habitual criminals and throwing them on the rest of civilization. They're not, they're not going back to communities to be nurtured and rehabilitated. They're going back to go to steal again, to assault again, to murder again. Um, but we also see, we, we see this in political discourse now as well. I mean, you have this, this, this idea of group guilt and group, you know, I can kill any member or I can assault any member of such and such group because of the injustice done to my group by that group. That's savage. We were actually moving backward in terms of civilizational, you know, uh, sophistication. It's unbelievable to me. Yeah, we do seem to be devolving, um, even though, you know, I, I say this all the time the more connected the world becomes via the internet and social media and all this stuff, the more actual disconnected we've become from interpersonal communications. And I, I this was one of the things that I, I, I tried to tell people, you know, I'm focused on school boards and I'm focused on people getting involved. On their, right, you on mentioned their to me before we recorded that tonight, yeah. we're recording this on election eve. We are, we are election eve. Yeah. So uh, we have about an hour and a half before everything's closed. Um, it, but one of the main focuses of, of my idea is engaging people back to their community. So the school is one of the easy places for people to get engaged with, because that's essentially the, the backbone of your community. It's the biggest tax bill that you have. It's the, it's the largest building, you know, so on and so forth. Right. There was a time in American society where there were Rotary, Elks, Moose, all these groups, all these community organizations where you knew your neighbors, you knew your neighbor's kids, you knew your neighbor's family, all this stuff. You'd say, hey, hey, Ron, how's it going? You know, how's your wife and kids, blah, blah, blah. Now we don't have that. I'm more connected to someone in China than I am to the person down the street. Or at least you can be. You might not. I can be. I, I can be. Right. And and most of American society, I believe, is at this juncture. Um especially those that are in the city, they don't know people on their different levels and the apartments next door to them. And, and it becomes a lot easier to now not humanize that person. If, if I know your family, if I know you're a good man, we may disagree politically. We may disagree on multiple things, but if I know that you're a good man, you're a good husband and all this stuff, you're human to me. I can, it's hard for me to throw, to throw javelins at you. But if I don't know, know you from anyone, I'll throw javelins at you, even if you're next door to me. And, th and that's the society that we've started to create. And I'm seeing it evolve. And that's why I want to get people involved in school boards. Now, it's it's very ugly right now. I I'm, I know you know this because you see everything that's going on in the state, even in, even in your own hometown. Um, but it's going to be ugly until it gets better, in my opinion. And, and the only way to move it back is to keep pushing forward keep involving more and more people and i mean I, I, 
other than this year, because I've kind of been a little disconnected. So the two years prior, I've helped over 700 people get elected to school boards throughout New Jersey. So are you, is that, and is that what you do for a living? Are you a political consultant? No, no, no. not at all. What's your day I'm, job? Uh, I work in finance, um, financial consulting, and, you know, my major client is the U.S. Army. So. Uh, I thought it, they don't care anything about money. They just spend it, you know. Uh, they... I mean, I'm, I'm trying to make sure that they use it properly or, or, or in a better methodology, at least. Interesting. Yes. Um, but 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 you become but you become a a you say I've helped. Is it, mm-hmm. Again, we describe you in the beginning as a grassroots political activist. Yep. What? So you've done this as a volunteer. Because because you because you want these changes to happen, you want to rebuild community, and the yep. civic world that surrounds that that that. that I mean, it's true. The public schools, as awful as they are in so many places now, they are one of the few mandatory places where members of a community will intersect in meat space. Yep. Yeah, I mean, you're talking about what ninety percent of society will eventually have gone through public schools at one point in America. Um, I, I didn't get involved in this for any other reason than it was sort of thrust upon me. I had people coming to me, looking at me, asking me questions. And I said, I need to organize this in a sort of fashion because there well, was a so lot. Why were they coming? Well, why were they coming to you? Because you, because of your. Because I spoke out about masks, because I spoke out about mandates and and I found loopholes in the governor's executive orders. In fact, um, one of his executive orders, um, I spoke to my attorney and I asked my attorney, you would hate me as a client, by the way. Um, I asked I him, a lot of, I, I, <laughs> there you go. Um, <laughs> I asked him a lot of dumb questions, not because I I'm, I'm stupid because I want to know the extent of these, these words, these sentences. I want to know where language goes. And when we started breaking things apart, you know, he's like, well, intent, intent, intent. I'm like, okay, well, is intent you know, inherently assumed in every little executive order that comes out. He's like, eh, eh. and I'm like, okay, so you tell me, eh, that tells me that I can push. Um, so when you say te- the temperature is extreme, what does extreme mean? Because extreme to an Eskimo could be like 10 degrees Fahrenheit. Extreme to someone down in Florida could be 90 degrees. Tell me where we're at here. Because in New Jersey, at one point it said, one of his executive orders said, if the temperature extreme temperatures you can remove masks blah blah blah. what i realized is that these kids were coming in we had an an unusually warm day in this is back in 21 21 20 yeah um all of that time period from 19 to 22 i'm blanked out about which year anything happened i think it was all, all it was all a blur we were all mentally reset um in fact, it was kind of funny is when the governor shut the state down, I was flying back from Texas for work and Texas is, was open. There was nothing. And I fly. You used to fly, travel all the time. And I came back and we landed in Newark and they're like, get off the plane, get out of the airport. They're all in like hazmat suits. They're like, don't touch anything. I'm like, what is going on here? Like, I'm in the airport all the time. I could lick the wall and not get sick. I mean, you know, as a traveler. You never get sick because you're exposed to all that stuff all the time. So I never caught COVID. I never anything. But um, so 
there was an unusually warm day that 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 fall or that that spring and the kids were wearing masks even outside and the pollen was getting caught on their masks so they were all coughing and they had red eyes well if you remember originally all of the signals and signs of covid was basically allergies um so all the kids in our school technically had covid they all had red eyes they were all coughing i'm like take the damn masks off so i talked to my attorney i'm like okay so if the temperature is above x amount can i say it's extreme sure go ahead so we we went and did that and then um so you that, convinced the rest of the school board members to i i live in an i live in an area where so this is this is you know you're going back a couple of years where a lot of people weren't really involved in school boards um in fact when i started doing this um 60 to 65 percent of school board elections throughout new jersey which is every year were either uncontested or unfilled 60 to 65 percent now this is your biggest tax bill regardless of what town you're in because of the cost explain explain for a second to those listeners who are not new jerseyans about our <laughs> very special school funding and tax arrangement in New Jersey. Uh, You know what, what would be, what would be great is for the state to release their funding system to the rest of us. So we could figure out how they actually come to the dollar threshold that they come to um, for each school district. All I know is I pay more taxes um, per school for other kids in other towns like Newark, um, Newark gets a lot of money and their schools are always failing. It's weird how that happens, but their superintendents are the highest paid in the state. Funny how that works. So you know, local, all- re- local real estate taxes are the main source of school funding. Correct. Correct. But the New Jersey Supreme, the New Jersey constitution states that the legislature shall provide for the maintenance and support of a thorough and efficient system of free public schools for the instruction of all children in the state between the ages of five and 18 years, New Jersey Constitution, Article 8. There you go. Section 7F, or I'm looking at the statute now. But the point is, that money goes to Trenton, though. It doesn't go to your right. school district. And then Trenton, in order, in order to guarantee the thorough and efficient, there are going to be towns where they don't have as many rateables or the, or the, or the tax rates are lower, and we have to spread it all around. So, I mean, look, it's it's not unusual in any tax system that higher, you know, it, it's basically a form of marginal, you know, like, like it's like the equivalent in, in income tax, right, of, of marginal rates. So the wealthier you are, the more taxes you pay. Of course, I live in, you know, you're not in Essex County, are you? No, but you're in, you're, you're, I thought you were in Clifton, right? No, I, I, I'm in Passaic County, right. But Essex, oh, yeah. so Essex County, because of that Newark school district, like if you live in Nutley, much less in, you know, obviously Roseland or, you know, one of the hoity-toity neighborhoods, you know, these people are paying it through the nose and that money is, of course, I'm sure their schools are, 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 are excellent. In any event, this all came, this, this is all part of the mix, part of what you were doing. And so you're saying, and this is in response to my question of how it was that you got things you know, you you were paying close attention to the executive order about yeah. how to deal with the COVID, and then you, so that so so then then what happened was because I started asking that was sort of the moment where it it sparked me to you know do a little bit more. Um, I I started asking a little more questions during that summer 
So I had a very good superintendent at the time. She's moved on. Um, we have a very small district. We can do a lot of things that other districts can't. So I said, you know, we have all this space. You know, we got to figure out ways. He was talking about six feet and all this, all that other nonsense. So we went through iterations of schedules, iterations of, of classroom setup, all this stuff that real realistically school board members probably shouldn't be doing or, you know, it's well beyond my means. But I was down there every day during the summer because it was important to me. And um, we came up with a schedule where we opened five days a week, full staff, full kids. Um, we were one of the only six districts in the entire state of New Jersey. Now we have like 700 districts in the state of New Jersey. But during that time, right prior to the year starting, he put out an executive order. I want to call it like 249 or 248. He put out about 2 million at this point. But he talked about the, the health and well-being of a child. If the health and well-being of a child is affected, then you the mask can be removed. So I then turned around and asked my attorney. I said, so for the past five, four years, we've been talking about social, emotional well-being of students. This has been their 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 thing, right? Um, social, emotional learning. And I said, okay, so can you tell me what this means? What's health mean? Is it mental health? Is it social health? Is it physical health? Is it medical health? And he's like, and, well, it doesn't and if, say. And if, and if the answer to, to, to that is all of them, then how much is allocated and how do you measure them? And and Correct. Correct. So I said, can I say that, hey, my my student or, you know, my little learner is uh, socially being inhibited and his social health is being inhibited by the mask. Can I take the mask off? And he's like, well, I, I guess you could. But who would do that? I said, well, if we don't if the schools don't have a policy that requires a doctor to do it. Can a parent write a letter? And he's like, essentially, that would be great. So. One attorney's opinion, you know, you know this, I can have five attorneys look at a white wall and they'd argue over which shade of white it would be. So I went to, um, there was a professor at Rutgers at the time. I, I don't know if you know him or not. He was suing the state for masks, all this stuff, but he had this big forum. There was like 10,000 people on this call. So I just randomly asked the question and I gave him my scenario and situation. And he said, he paused and he said, you know, I think you actually have something here. Now, he, I know he didn't want to admit it because then his lawsuit against the state and mask would be pointless. He wanted uh, stricter mask mandates. No, he wanted masks off completely, oh, but okay. he was getting paid to to do this lawsuit. And he realized that my angle was a whole other angle where I didn't need a lawsuit at all. Oh, OK. So I, I developed a, a, a letter, a template, and people started messaging me, and emailing me. So I sent out 15,000 emails in one week. And people, people were concerned. People, I had parents calling me. I had, you know, my wife was concerned because she had, there was women calling me in the middle of the night, like, Hey, Josh, you know, blah, blah. I'm like, Hey, he's <laughs> up here. Um, but they were crying because they're like, you know, they're like, my kid is having a hard time, like with these masks and all this stuff. And I'm like, you know, I, I, and no one, no one in New Jersey, you know, this more than anything is no one in New Jersey can afford to pull their kid out of public school, pay public school taxes, and then also pay private school. You can't do that. It's just very it's it's very difficult. I mean, obviously, in our community, that's exactly what we do. And we you know, so we have been supporting schools in Passaic and Clifton since as long as we've lived here, as well as paying private religious school yeah. tuition uh, because our you know, we believe that our our lives depend on it. But not everyone is up to, 
you know, that 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 kind of calculus. So, and the so same thing goes any... with. Go ahead. Oh, no, no, no. I, this is. This I was going to say, and the same thing goes with those parents who are able to homeschool. You know, I had I had a lot of the the Libertarian Party people reach out to me. They're like, "Well, just pull your kids out of the school, you know, collapse the whole system." I said, "You're never going to do that because we have school systems like Newark. Like those parents are literally living paycheck to paycheck, and then some. You know, they need government assistance on top of that. You can't you can't ask them to say, "Well, I'm just not going to work. I'm going to homeschool my kid." That's not going to work out because I'm going to be homeless. So did you get any pushback from the teachers or the teachers union? Because that we've seen across the country, especially in New York, and especially at the national level, right, where the NEA was basically pushing very hard. And especially once Biden came in, dictating policy, making it, you know, making it harder to reopen schools and making, you know, requiring uh, vaccination and masks. Did you have that experience at the local level? Where, where so you? At, at my local level, no. Um, I, I I had a one-on-one -on -one conversation with the the one of the union presidents and the union representatives, and I said, "Look, I said we're now two years into this, year and a half into this. I said you have kids now in first grade that have never seen you smile, and right there, that one second, that moment, she paused in her tracks, and I said, you." Teachers, in my opinion, and I do feel this, teachers are kind of caught in the crossfire between parents and politics and the NGA leadership. Um, I think teachers are, are are people who are born to be teachers. They want to be teachers. It's it is a it is a tough job. Um, it's hard to deal with this, and they want to be able to pass along knowledge and and all this stuff that they're doing. Then you have bad apples here and there. You have people that with agendas here and there. Sure, but that's with any field. Um, so I, I talked to her, I said, you know, they've never seen you smile. They've never seen you upset. So if they tell a joke, if they make a statement, they don't know your facial expressions. That's part of learning. Um, you know, when you raise your eyebrows, that doesn't tell me anything. But if you frown, if they, then they know like, hey, I shouldn't say that again. These are all things that we learn subconsciously. And I'm sure there's plenty of studies that would support that information. And she was in tears. She's like, I never really thought about it that way. I'm like, you've been teaching for 30 something years and you now have a whole group of children that have never seen you smile. And, and right there, she's never given me a hard time. I said, look, I'm going to follow the state rules as close to the line as very possible. I said, everything will be six feet. Everyone will wear masks when you need to wear masks. I don't agree with it, but I will follow the rules as long as these kids are in-person learning. Um, so I never got issues with that. And when I started pushing this out to other people around the state and started helping other candidates around the state, I really wanted to keep a low profile because I know that the most powerful organization in the state is the NJEA, the teachers union. They control everything, Republicans, Democrats, all of it. Um, so I wanted to fly under the radar. I wanted to, you know, essentially land a ton of people in board of education seats start making changes here and there and and really push back once i had enough people in now other things happen other groups popped up people started publicizing this stuff now we find out that the nj has been dark money funding another organization that's been fighting against me this year and um they have about 450 candidates this year themselves so so by the time this comes out we'll see how that went i guess We'll, we'll we'll see how that goes um they tried to uh 
they tried to land someone in my township and they called someone that was on my board. That's a registered Democrat. Um, and she told them all about me. They were like asking about me being like this big, you know, conservative, you know, loud mouth, blah, blah, blah. And she's like, actually, he lets everyone speak their mind, lets everyone have an opinion. And then we make a logical assessment after that. And they, she said that they stopped dead in their tracks and like, wait, he does that. I'm like, yo, absolutely. He gives everyone their own space to speak. He might not agree with it, but he lets the votes come out the way the votes come out. And I said, that's how you're supposed to, you're supposed to take your personal hat off and put on your, your public hat. And it's a different mindset when you're, in other words, it's a, it's a deliberative process. You're not merely, not just a contest of who can pound the table loudest or has the sharpest elbows. Uh, essentially that's what it's supposed to be about, but that's not what it's always, you know, that's not what we always see when it comes in execution. Well, Josh, you have enlightened me a great deal about what's going on. And I know what I really understand is that you, you have taken a tremendous amount of time. You know, I remember when Matt Walsh made that great mm -hmm. video of, of uh, or to release that great video of his appearance before his school district in, in Virginia. And, you know, the word went out that school boards are where the action is. And these sleepy little elections, which, as you say, are seldom contested and sometimes are not even, you know, not even filled, um, are, are a gigantic deal. And that yeah. they're also, unlike national politics and to a large extent statewide politics, they're, they are a forum in which individual activism like yours can really make a difference. So what did so what did the Biden administration do? They sicked that scumbag attorney general. It would put and obviously at, at the instruction of the New Jersey, another New Jersey of the National Education Association. I said it. Come come after me. And 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 I was just reminded of this because I saw uh, uh, Dinesh D'Souza's police state uh, um, movie last week. They designated people who go to school districts, to school board meetings and speak up and challenge policies as extremists and put them on watch lists. Did you feel any of that happening in your environment where you were? So, uh, honest, honestly, no, not for me personally, which is strange. Um, however, I always felt that I kept this certain level of logical sense when I was speaking to reporters, when I was doing public speaking, I would never go to other school board meetings. There was very few that I would go to. In fact, Clifton Public Schools, uh, they had a parental rights organization there and they started screaming at me like, you need to come, you need to come. I said, hold on. What is it that you want me to accomplish for someone who doesn't live in Clifton, doesn't pay taxes in Clifton, doesn't have children in Clifton? What is it that you want me to accomplish? And they're like, yeah, but you need to go speak out. And I'm like, against what? And, and I tried to tell them, I said, what you, if you need more people at your board meeting, you need to go around town and, and inform more people. I'll help you do that. But when it comes down to actually executing, you know, the executing your mission, I can't do that. I can't be that person um, because it's not for me. Now, if it was my own township and I wasn't on my own school board, sure, I would go do that myself. I want people to be empowered to take take first steps in their own township. That, that's that, their civic duty. 
and 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 that means t- that's literally taking a stand yeah. taking your name putting it out there it's not you know i mean th- yes there's a lot of trouble and a lot of aggravation and a lot of time those things are trivial compared to what's at stake but, but the, i think the harder line for people to cross you know people often ask me what can we do about this problem, Ron? What can we do about this? And the court, as if I were some kind of great sage, but I, one thing I do say is if you're going to remain anonymous, I understand why, and I get it. And I understand you might be, you know, we have all these fears, but if you don't put your name on the mm-hmm. line and stay and, and have accountability for what you say, your voice is a whisper. And what, you know, the idea that, that you have to, and and there's so many people, and I'm sure you've spoken to so many people like this. And I I would, in fact, talking to you, I have the impression that you're one yourself, not natural, like not bombastic people, not people who you would think, you're not like Chris Christie type people, you know, that people who just want to be the center of attention. No, they're regular folks who say, I've got to stand up and do something about this because it matters, matters to my family, my and and to my to my community and to the future of of our of our of our civilization. I, I I couldn't have summarized that better, but you know that's absolutely right. You know, if you are unwilling to take care of your own house, your own your own street, your own community, then what tells me that you're going to be able to take care of this state or this country? And and if you are so passionate about this issue or or whatever issue you're passionate about. If you're not willing to stand up and speak it out in in the public forum, then you're really not that passionate about it. Then you're just some sort of sideline quarterback. And 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 that was one of the points that I, I made to a lot of people when I tried to express them because they were disappointed in me. Not just Clifton. There was other schools, too. There's a lot of towns in New Jersey. I'm like, I've never heard of that place ever before. Like, oh, <laughs> that was I'm like, where the hell is that? Yeah, um, I mean, I've lived here almost my entire life. And... Oh, so- Almost, someone will mention me. Yeah, well, down in mm, what? What? And, yeah. and, and and that could even it could even be in Passaic because I'm I'm right at the border of Bergen, Passaic, and Essex. So, you know, so I'm I'm responsible for knowing everything for all the. I mean, this is the most densely populated state in the country, yeah. even though the whole bottom half, the whole southern half, is still largely except Lakewood, <laughs> where they're cutting down trees, you know, acres of trees every day. But another conversation. Yes, what you what you're saying, you need you you need to do it. People need to do it, and then yeah. I thank you very much for 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 your efforts in doing so. Regular guy, articulate and intelligent, and you know uh, all the things that you have, despite your the years you spent wasting uh, watching TV. Uh, or I'm sorry, chasing after girls in college. It's- you obviously made made good for yourself, and Josh. Great hanging out with you here. Believe it or yeah, not, yeah, it's 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 been a pleasure to finally connect with you. Um, and 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 I'll continue following you for a long time because you're one of the true people out there that are speaking honesty, and you 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 come at it with such a rational perspective. Um, it's probably the legal background. I mean, I'm married to an attorney myself, so I get it. Um, you all have this sort of wiring in your head where you think things a certain way. And um, it's it's refreshing to hear on a on more of a, a widespread stage on multiple different issues. Well, thank so. you very much. Uh, next time, you know, I you did invite me to that event. I thought I was going to make it. I think I ended up in court or something. But we'll try it again. And next, certainly, if you're in my part of North Jersey, 
give, you know, definitely let me know and we'll hang out. Absolutely, Ron. Wonderful Catch talking to you. Thank you, Josh. Hey, thank you for listening to the Coleman Nation podcast. Don't forget to subscribe on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcast app. If you like the show, please rate it five stars and leave a review. For more information, please visit the show's website at coleman-nation.com. That's coleman-nation.com. Or you can visit my blog at likelihoodofconfusion.com. Join us next time on the Coleman Nation podcast and have a great day.